Is everyone a child of God? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hear the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, today we get to uh, to poke some holes in some common thinking, maybe make some people a little bit unhappy at first, but hopefully they'll stick with us and we can bring them back. Because I hope so. I mean, this is not a fun conversation. This is not a fun truth of Scripture we're talking about from one from one angle. I think most of us, when we look at this quickly, we're talking about adoption today. Yeah. When you look at it quickly, you're like, oh yeah, this is a good, warm, fuzzy doctrine. But when you think about what this requires us to understand about people who have not trusted in Christ, that's where it becomes a little bit troubling. Is everyone a child of God? And we have to answer just off the top of the episode, no. Um, unbelievers are not children of God. The Bible does not describe them that way. And this is where, again, right now, people, some people are, saying, are starting to feel uncomfortable and not happy with this. Um, but hear us out. Um, God loves everyone. All right, let's just put that on the table to resolve that. But those of us who have trusted in Christ are adopted as his children and take on a new relationship with him that the world lacks. So we, we have to kind of interact with this some. So why don't we go ahead and, and Aaron, start us off by reading the doctrine as usual. Then we'll look at a few places we see this in scripture. And then we'll come back to this and we'll talk about this little nuance that is, is quite important um, but mm-hmm. hopefully brings some clarity to those who are listening, some comfort <laughs> to those who are listening and, and kind of talk through this. So go ahead and, and read Adoption. Sounds good. So um, adoption into God's family is one of the positive benefits of justification. So not only are we pardoned from the judgment against us through justification, but we also experience a change of identity. We become children of God. Through adoption, our relationship with God, which was once lost through the fall, is now restored, resulting in the benefits of being an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. So that is the um, very large word-filled version of this doctrine. Um, But here's basically what this means, is that when we trust in Christ, we become sons and daughters of God and siblings of Christ. Exactly. And, and so this is the thing, that, that expression there, we become. We're going to have to keep this in mind as we look at some, some passages of what we're talking about here. And in order for us to become children, it means that we weren't to begin with. So where do we see this in Scripture, Aaron? Find a couple places and just kind of talk us through a couple places we see adoption in Scripture. All right. Well, one of the most on the nose is in John 1, 12, uh, verses 12 and 13, uh, which say, But to all who did receive him, that is Christ, he gave them the right to be children of God, to uh, those who believe in him. I am having a hard time here. All right. So one of the ones that's the most on the nose is John 
chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, which says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. So that one is definitely the most on the nose. And the second is like it, which is Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, which say, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And there's <laughs> Wait, still more. there's more. There's always more, which is really good. Uh, because Romans 8, 15 through 17 says this, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So those three are kind of the hallmark passages that, and you can notice this, this, um, this consistency in, in them all that, um, that adoption requires belief, requires turning away from sin um, and it require, but it requires the work of Christ <laughs> specifically, um, because it's Christ who died so that this is even possible. And then you see that it's the spirit who gives, who, uh, who, um, applies this as well. So you kind of see, interestingly, all three persons of the Trinity in this as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's really important, Aaron, that we recognize that it requires faith. That's the only way that we are adopted. It's a, adoption is a work of God, but it occurs when we place our faith, our trust in Jesus, um, and Jesus, the, based on the work that he did, and it results in a very real change in our identity, uh, our position, and our experience in life, that, that we... Um, undergo this transformation from enemies that Paul talks about in, in Romans 5 to children in Romans 8, where we can call God Abba Father. And Abba is a, a, a phrase, a term of endearment. It's more of a, an endearing uh, name for a father. It's kind of like today. Um, I've always grown up calling my dad, dad. I don't call him father. I, I have friends who will call their parents father or mother. To me, that always feels more uh, formal. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the less formal is mom and dad, which is what I call my parents. Um, and so Abba is one of these even more, you know, comfortable, more um, down to earth, if you will, uh, reference of God, our father. So we can call creator God, a holy God. We can call him not just father, but Abba, um, this loving relationship driven kind of way of thinking about it. So really important. So let's talk about the cautions. Let's go back to what we led to show off with. Um, the first caution is this, again, we have to remember that not everyone is a child of God, as we've talked about. Uh, you will hear this phrase used quite a bit. Everyone's a child of God, but it's not correct as, as we've talked about. Again, if 
in order for us to be adopted and become God's children, that means by definition we cannot be his children before adoption takes place. So only those of us who have trusted in Christ become his children. But again, hear this. While God is only the father of those who trust in Christ, he acts fatherly toward all. There's a difference there. Yes. So, for example, I've got three children, Joshua, Hannah, and Caleb. I am their father, and I act fatherly toward them because I am their father. But when they have friends over... I can act fatherly toward their friends. I can still care about them and ask if they want anything to eat and if they were to get hurt to go and and act fatherly to comfort them or help them. Those are fatherly postures I can have toward them, but that does not make them my children. So my children are only the three, Joshua, Hannah, and Caleb. God is that way even to a better degree, of course, a perfect degree. He acts fatherly to all humanity through his common grace. But he is father by relationship, by position, only to those of us who have trusted in Christ. It's such an important nuance. Somebody hearing this may be saying, ah, you guys are just splitting hairs. No, this is really important because adoption, as we've seen in these verses, is such an important part of our new identities in Christ. And so we want to protect it. We want to preserve it. Uh, and understand it for what it really is. Yes, most definitely. And an- another thing that we need to understand as well, and this is this is less of a caution and more of an encouragement, is that um, that adoption means that our past is gone, um, and so we're not. Um, and and in light of that, we're not you know kind of kids. We're not second. You know, we're not second best kids or or alternatives or whatever. Um, we are full sons and daughters. Yeah. That's why, that's why um, uh, Romans, for, for example, says not just heirs of God, but co-heirs with Christ, meaning that we are as equally in, in this way that we can't possibly understand to its fullness. Um, we have all the same rights and benefits with the exception of being God <laughs> yeah. that Christ does. So, um, so that is, a, that's, and this language though, it comes from, which, you know, informs so much of our adoption practices today um, is really taken from a, adoption, uh, Roman adoption practices. So um, in that all prior debts and, you know, debts, notices, so forth, those were all taken on by the adopting, by the adopting father. And in light of, and in exchange, all rights and privileges that were, were the rights and privileges of, um, natural born children, um, yeah. to that father, um, were granted in full 100% to the adopted children as well. Yeah. So just to add a, a layer of color to that. So suppose, for simplicity, suppose I was $10,000 in debt and mm-hmm. I'm adopted. My adopting father would take that $10,000 in debt and wipe it out. It's no longer mine. My debt is taken to zero and he takes that debt upon himself and he would then be required to pay that debt off. Suppose my new adopting father is a millionaire, has a million dollars of um, an inheritance and I've got one brother. Guess how much of that I would get? 500000 as my other sibling would get, I get, I get full. It's not, I don't get a partial because I'm an adopted. I'm viewed at, and, and Roman culture would demand that I be viewed at as a full child, as if born to my 
adopted parents. Yeah. This is the beauty of adoption. Um, you know, it is taking and giving a new life completely so that there's no difference between those peers, those, those, those two sons in this example. Yeah. And this is why I, I think the church today, this is why we can be and should be such advocates for adoption in our culture. Because adoption continues to be this beautiful picture of love and of acceptance of parents adopting a child and saying, this is not like a son or daughter. This is not a quasi son or daughter. This is now my son or daughter, period. Mm-hmm. No difference. Um, and, and she is mine. He is mine. What a beautiful picture. So we as God's people should be the ones who, among anyone else, should be the ones who are the biggest advocates and supporters of adoption. Uh, if you've never, if you're listening to this and you've never prayed about adopting, I'd encourage you to at least pray about it. I do not believe necessarily everybody should adopt, but I believe we all should ask God and mm-hmm. pray and say, God, is that your will for us? And be open to that. And whether we adopt or not, again, supporting, uh, adopting is expensive. Mm-hmm. So anything we can do to come alongside and help out in that process, I, I think we need to be a people that really values adoption in this this regard really well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say too, and and something that this doctrine should really do, and, and we'll, you know, as we think about it from this perspective, we should em- we should embrace it and we should celebrate it because and but we should also recognize that our language around children needs yeah. to change to reflect the reality that adoption that adopted children are children in a yes. family that you're not they're not um you know they're not an alternative to um you know to uh you know, having your having your own biological children um, in in your family, you're growing your family either by giving yeah. birth to children or by adopting a child. And um, and as a family, there is this real beauty to seeing uh, to be able to to show your child that it's like just as we brought brought you into our family and we called you mine. This is what God does for us through yeah. Christ and. Uh, and it's and it's incredible. Yeah, let's get. We've already kind of lapsed into what difference this doctrine should make, which is okay. We tend to do this yeah. every episode anyway. But let's just continue in this vein with some different um, different ways that this doctrine should affect us. Um, I think another one is you know in the same line, um, this uh, this doctrine should encourage us in the profound relationship that we have because of Christ that you're just talking about. Um, that when we think about we've been brought again from enemies to children of God, we've gone from being cursed to being blessed, um, that this doctrine really helps us understand this fundamental difference. I think a lot of people um, probably see salvation as taking a good person and making him better. Mm -hmm. And we have to put that to death. Salvation is taking a wretched person, a dead person, and making him or her righteous and alive because of Christ. And the more we can see this contrast, the more beautiful the gospel is. And it will stir our affections more deeply as it should. And we should live 
with joy and gratitude in light of what God has done. So this doctrine really helps us remember that, that God has adopted me should amaze us perpetually. Yes, definitely. And in light of that as well, it should also help us to understand some of the peculiar language that we sometimes use in our churches. Um, peculiar from the outside, I should say, as well. So think about how many people you know who who refer to someone as brother or sister. Um, well, where does that language come from? This is the language of a this is the language of family. It's the language of adoption from the from from this biblical perspective of of um of what the gospel ultimately does and so while this language can seem archaic and can seem very strange and foreign and and i know there are people who would even accuse it of being you know just another element of of quote unquote christianese um you know this this weird internal language that doesn't have any meaning outside of the you know, outside of the church, um, the idea behind it is so powerful and so potent that we need to, we need to hold on to that as much as we can. Um, the last thing as well that, uh, that we should talk about too is, is really that we need to remember that this, this doctrine is really at the core of our identity. Um, there is a statement that J.I. Packer made in his book, Knowing God, that he talked about, you know, what, like, how would you describe the gospel in, um, you know, in, you know, as simple a way as possible? And he said, well, I can do it in three words. And uh, he said, it's adoption through propitiation. So they're not easy words. <laughs> no, but they are three. <laughs> because that's J.I. Packer. But, um, but it's three words. Um, but it's such a potent statement. This side, And that's why we, you know, in our definition, we talked about it being, you know, one of the most positive benefits of justification. That through the death of Christ and through the forgiveness of our sin, we are brought into the family of God. We are made his beloved children. And why this matters is because we are so prone to identify ourselves, to find our identity in all the wrong places. Um, you know, just like we're looking for love in the wrong places, we're looking for identity in the wrong places too. So, um, you know, we do this in career, we do this in marriages, we do this in our economic status, we do this in our nationality or our ethnicity. Um, and as a side note, um, uh, as an immigrant, it gets real tempting to, to lean into your identity as, um, yeah. as your nationality, <laughs> Um, you know, as, as well. Now I do it for humor, but, <laughs> uh, but while these things themselves, they're not unimportant. I mean, they do make a difference and, you know, understanding that I'm Canadian makes me make a lot more sense, sort of. Well, but, I wouldn't say um, it make, you don't make sense because of it. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, even so, um, it, it at least gives people grace to be confused by exactly. Me. So um, what we need to know is, is that although those things like, um, you know, what we do for a living is important, um, our, our marriage and family, that's important. Um, you know, our ethnicity and our nationality, those things are important. They shape who we are to varying degrees. 
but they're not the primary thing that should be shaping us. Yeah. And they're not the primary thing that we should be identifying ourselves by. We are children of God. That if we are in Christ, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again for our sins, we are children of God. And that is the most important thing that we can be. And in light of that, let's end there because that's the most important thing that we have to remember. So let's call it an episode there. Uh, Aaron, thanks for talking about this with me. And, and I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.